Welcome to Western New York Catholic Weekly, a production of the Office of Communications for the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo. Stay tuned as Greg Prince brings the Catholic newsmakers to you. Wherever it's happening in the diocese, you'll hear about it on Western New York Catholic Weekly. It's a new year, a year that the Holy Father has declared a year of mercy. We're going to kind of focus topics uh, on the show throughout the year, but especially in this first part of the year, around some of the works of mercy, both corporal and spiritual. And really the the first topic that we're going to discuss could fit under almost any of the spiritual works of mercy, uh, except for maybe pray for the living and the dead, but covers just about everything. Uh, And our guest in this first segment of the the program in this new year, our bishop, Bishop Richard Malone. Bishop Malone, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Always a pleasure to join you. Uh, So I mentioned that this will cover several uh, spiritual works of mercy in particular. It relates to a document that you were instrumental in um, authoring for the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. And by the way, you can find all of the material on this at usccb.org. It dealt with the issue of pornography at the at the fall meetings back in November of the bishops. Create in me a clean heart was the uh, title of the document. Maybe just uh, as as a refresher, uh, maybe talk about the the meetings. What happens when uh, the bishops get together? You know, a couple times a year. Sure. Yeah, when the bishops gather, especially for our November meeting. Uh, there's always a very jam-packed schedule for us. Um, but the way the Bishops' Conference works is that most of our projects come out of a committee. And I chair currently the Committee on Laity, Marriage, Family Life, and Youth. And so a committee will be – will oftentimes come up with a project that it will recommend to the full body of bishops. And then if they give their support, then the committee takes over bringing that thing to its uh, completion. So a couple of years back, um, we, we approached the full body of bishops with the idea, uh, should we – or the question rather, should we put together an official statement from the U.S. bishops on the, on the harmful uh, epidemic really now of pornography in our world, in our country, in our parishes, the life of our parishes? And um, there was agreement by all the U.S. bishops that we really should do that because to use the word epidemic about pornography is not an overstatement. And so we worked for a couple of years. The document had a lot of outside expertise looking at it. And so at the November meeting this this year, well, actually 2015 meeting, um, it was uh, almost unanimously approved by the full body of U.S. bishops and being promulgated now. Uh, okay, so obviously there, were, there was a recognition, uh, you know, it's probably an understatement that uh, pornography is a problem. You already mentioned e- even in our parishes in terms of, of dealing with uh, people. Um, I would think particularly in the confessional, right, That's got that's got to be something that comes up a well, we, lot we, for our And we know, we know not only anecdotally, but we know from uh, data. We did a lot of research on data. We know, first of all, that pornography production and pornography use is is widespread. Mm -hmm. We know that it's ever more accessible now because people can just, through the technology, this, and my comment here, Greg, is not a condemnation of technology. Thank God we have it. We're using it right now to get to our people. Exactly. (laughs) But, but with all the easy access online, and through all the uh, the devices we have now, smartphones and everything else, 
Um, it, it's just very easy, and it f- could feel, I imagine, anonymous for people to access some of this uh, horrible uh, stuff. And so uh, in light of all of that and the research we did on the harm that pornography use does to human beings, to relationships and all of that, we thought that we should not only lift up the problem of pornography um, that is destructive of human beings and gravely sinful, but at the same time say, with a, in a hopeful sense, the church is here as a healing presence. It's the year of mercy, which you mentioned at the beginning, and uh, that's a theme in the, uh, in the document, that God's mercy is available to us no matter what's going on in our lives. Yeah, in some ways the timing on behalf of the bishops couldn't have been better in terms of releasing the document with uh, us currently in the year of mercy. So, so what are some of the things that uh, Create in Me a Clean Heart addresses? What were some of the things that you, really as an author of this, hope you were going to get across to people? And I should, I should note uh, that there were a number of us who were involved intimately in this whole project. And then it went out to the, all the U.S. bishops in draft form. And whenever that happens, they send in, send in all kinds of recommendations sure. for edits and changes, which is the whole point. It makes it a better product. But uh, uh, as I said, the main purpose of it was to highlight the problem and give a word of hope and healing to anyone who's caught up in it, either producing it or using it, or let's say is in a relationship, like a marriage relationship, where one of the spouses is involved in pornography. We know that's very damaging to the marriage relationship. Anyway, what we tried to do in here is to give an overview of the teaching of the church on sexuality, on the human person, and on the virtue of chastity. Do we begin to begin with that, that very positive statement Of course, it ties into John Paul II's beautiful theology of the body. And then we went on to an explanation of why pornography is both sinful and harmful. Because even beyond, even if you look at pornography uh, outside of the light of faith and our Catholic values, and we never do that as Catholics, we always look. Even if you, if you were even a non-believer and you took a good, hard, objective look at pornography, just using your own reason, you would see very quickly this is harmful. It disintegrates people and relationships. Then we went on to talk about the, uh, the effects that pornography can have on people, including young people, children, and then to offer a word of hope and healing to everybody who is harmed by this. I mentioned that the document is available in its entirety. A fairly long document, as most of these that are released by the USCCB are. Uh, USCCB.org is the website. Um, but that's deliberate, right? I mean, well, it is because in people fact, don't have a yeah, good. No, no, you, you bring back a memory. Of the, we, a while ago, early on in this project, we, uh, my committee had a debate about how extensive the document should be. <laughs> sure. Some people yeah. wanted a very, very uh, a brief document, perhaps a trifold type of thing, piece of paper, both sides. Um, but we decided we should do a more substantial, uh, let's call it a source document, where we can lay out the, the information and the arguments and everything. And from this, we're going to develop other resources. There will be a shorter version that people might get in their own hands and actually read through. Uh, but based on this, 
This is the solid stuff. At least stuff. you realize that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I worry all the time about all these beautiful sure. documents yeah. that the, the Bishop's Conference has created over the years and uh, that they're on shelves gathering dust. But anyway, we are, it's our intention and our commitment beginning actually right now in the new year to develop targeted resources from this that would be very accessible and helpful for people. Well, and, you know, I think the, the length is somewhat important because – People do have a misunderstanding of the church's teaching on sexuality and family and marriage. And uh, we've already seen that this year when the um, uh, Pope started talking about annulments. It brought up a whole case of, well, what's an annulment? What does that mean? What does that mean in church teaching of marriage and family? All those same things. So now this is the second time we're encountering this. And, you know, and it, it's a. It's, it's an interesting way, the way God's grace works, God's providence, because even though it is a, a grave, serious, harmful problem in our society that caused us to write this, in other words, the problem of the addiction of pornography and all of this and the way it's really, really abusive of, of people, uh, you know, the people who are portrayed in the films and all that, it's an attack on human dignity and chastity. It gives us an opportunity, which is a good thing, to put out there the beautiful light of the church's teaching on the human person, on sexuality, on relationship, and on mercy. One of the things we we uh, referenced in the document was that wonderful uh, comment by uh, Pope Francis, who said the church is a field hospital, you know, like <laughs> yeah. d- during time of combat, yeah. uh, where people who are wounded can come and find mercy, healing, and hope. Yeah, and, and we're going to look at um, the addictive nature of pornography in the next segment um, of the program today, but it is that um, year of mercy, and we are well into it in the Diocese of Buffalo. What's your message in this year of mercy? My message in the year of mercy is that we simply take very seriously the beautiful invitation of our Holy Father during this Jubilee year uh, to do two things, to appreciate the rich generous gift of God's mercy and compassion in our lives and, of course, our need for that, and at the same time to realize uh, our own call to be messengers of mercy, to be witnesses to mercy uh, in our relationships with other people, especially those in most need. So there's a gift to each of us as we recall God's mercy in our lives and an invitation to be bearers of mercy and compassion uh, to, to others, especially people who are hurting. Bishop Richard Malone, our bishop in the Diocese of Buffalo, thanks for being with us this week on Western New York Catholic Weekly. Thank you, Greg. I mentioned in the next segment we're going to look at um, the addictive nature of pornography with Bernie Arneson, who's with the Monsignor Carr Clinic at Catholic Charities. We'll be right back. Make your voice heard. There are thousands of Catholic New Yorkers who are working together for justice in our society, promoting the values important to our faith. Join the Catholic Action Network and speak out in support of the poor and vulnerable, the sick and elderly, the unborn, families and children. Sign up online at nyscatholic.org and click on Join the Network. That's nyscatholic.org. For more information, call the Office of Pro-Life Activities of the Diocese of Buffalo at 716-847-2205 and visit the New York State Catholic Conference's Legislative Action Center. Read alerts on important legislative issues and email your state representative. Stay informed and strengthen the Catholic voice in New York. You'll find it all at nyscatholic.org. That's nyscatholic.org.
If you're Catholic and looking for an incredible Bible app, the Truth and Life Bible app is for you, and it's absolutely free. With the Truth and Life Bible app, you'll experience the Bible in a fresh, new, and exciting way. This free app includes the entire Revised Standard Version Catholic Edition Bible text with powerful search capabilities. Search a word like faith, and every verse that includes faith will appear. In fact, there are 496 passages with the word faith from Genesis to Revelation. Also included is the entire two-hour audio Gospel of Mark featuring Blair Underwood as Mark, Neil McDonough as Jesus, plus other world-renowned actors. This audio gospel of Mark is dramatized with a full cast, sound effects, and original music score, and is synchronized to the text, so that as you hear this powerful audio, the text appears verse by verse. The Truth in Life Bible includes a foreword by Pope Emeritus Benedict and a Vatican imprimatur. Download your free Truth in Life Bible app today at truthandlifeapp.com or search Truth and Life Bible in the app store of your choice. The January issue of the Western New York Catholic is now available in your local parish. Of course, one of the things mentioned in that uh, document that uh, the bishops have uh, approved at their their meetings last fall was addiction, pornography as addiction. And we've talked before on the program with uh, David Catalano from the from the Marriage Counseling Services at Catholic Charities about, uh, you know, pornography is a factor contributing to distrust in marriages. And, and, and we've talked about the, the kind of emotional response there. Um, and I thought this would be a good opportunity maybe to talk about uh, that notion as, as, of addiction and uh, pornography as an addiction because there are some similarities to other uh, addictive patterns. And joining us, uh, uh, been on the program before from the Monsignor Carr Clinic at Catholic Charities, Bernie Arneson. Bernie, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me. And, and we've covered a little bit of the addiction area before and, and let me just uh, clarify right at the top of the program. Um, pornography addiction is not something specifically that you deal with directly at Catholic Charities, right? No, as a licensed chemical dependency program, uh, we deal with uh, chemicals, drugs, and and uh, alcohol and other drugs, but we don't specifically deal with that. If somebody came in, for example, for their drug or alcohol addiction and pornography was one of the issues, we would dr- address that under the general mental health issues that they're, that they're contending with. Okay. Uh, but there are similarities, right, between... Um, what happens in your brain? In fact, one of the things we talked about uh, before we went on the show, of course, the reference and the, the scriptural reference for the bishop's document is created me a clean heart, O God. And um, uh, you mentioned uh, maybe healthy heart is a, is a yeah, better – I think that would probably be a better – mm-hmm. Is a better description, right? Mm-hmm. Because in many cases, that compulsion to – Pornography is very similar to the addictions that you do deal with. Absolutely. Um, And we've seen people switch addictions. They've gone from an addiction from heroin to alcohol. I've seen people then go to anorexia. Some people who admit also to a shopping addiction. I often say that I'm in a good position when I go to Home Depot to pick up a package of light bulbs and I walk out with a package of light bulbs rather than a than a table saw. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Well, and, and you hear that with smoking a lot, <laughs> right. right? People quit smoking, but then they pick up something else. All within, it's all within the category of process addictions or behavioral addictions. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that works. Um, what happens, anything that gives somebody some boost of pleasure, which is built into us naturally to 
keep the species going, food, water, sex, that, that we get a positive reward for, from it that encourages us to continue with the uh, behavior. Uh, that's reinforced by a chemical called dopamine. Anything that produces a dopamine surge makes us feel good. We want to continue to do that behavior. So if it's eating certain things, um, we want to do more of it. And we all know that certain uh, chemicals or certain foodstuffs Fats and salts are very, very attractive to us, so it's very difficult to, oftentimes for people to control that. Same sort of thing happens in sort of an off-kilter way with the other process addictions. If it's shopping, people buying things that they don't need to, and we look at the behavior and we say, well, why don't you just stop that? But I think what we do is we ignore that this is a physical thing going on. It's actual brain chemistry going on. And they've actually shown the prefrontal cortex of the brain is the part of the brain that controls impulse control and judgment. They've actually shown that it's impaired in people with addictions, that their ability to control those things is actually impaired. It's not a matter of uh, willful disobedience, as uh, some might call it. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously, when we're talking about the issue of pornography, Bishop Malone uh, mentioned it. I mentioned we talked about it on the program before. There is a whole moral from our Catholic perspective issue with pornography that, that really is not present in uh, – we're not supposed to abuse anything, but if you're addicted to a drug, let's say, or you're, a, or you're an alcoholic, uh, it doesn't carry that kind of moral stigma that pornography does. And I think that's happened is over a period of time because, you know, alcoholics uh, were drunks, you know, addicts were, were junkies. And we tend to get away from that as we understand more of the biology of addiction. And I think the same sort of thing can happen with uh, pornography. It's not to say that it then becomes a moral behavior. What we end up seeing are the symptoms of the disease. We don't actually see what's really going on in the brain. We would look at some other behaviors such as uh, um, uh, Tourette syndrome where, where somebody just blurts out uh, obscenities. We wouldn't say, well, that person is just immoral. We'd recognize they have a brain disorder or somebody schizophrenic. They have a brain disorder. That's why they're behaving as they are. Hey, do you find – and again, I, I want to emphasize you're not dealing directly in the area of, of pornography addiction. But it, obviously it does come up because you mentioned it. You know, you, you do treat it along with your, your mental mm -hmm. health counseling issues. Do you find in many cases that that does seem to be the case when pornography is a problem for someone? Even if they just come in to counseling, are they somewhat – predisposed to that in many cases? It predisposed to pornography? Yeah. Not necessarily. Okay. It seems to be individual. Some people, for example, they'll have, they'll have a propensity to abuse food. Others don't yeah. for some reason. So you can have someone who's an addict. I, I once uh, um, w was looking at a group of heroin addicts and noticed that some of them abused cocaine and others didn't. And I said, what happens? You know, why you don't use cocaine? They say, no, it just makes me anxious. It just makes me nervous. Yeah. So it wasn't a subjective interpretation of the experience. It was actual a physical interpretation of the experience. So some people might have shopping addictions. Other people don't. I'm glad to say I don't have a gambling addiction. Yeah. You know, uh, If I did, that, that could create uh, havoc as well. For some people, pornography isn't going to, so to speak, click with them. For other people, it becomes a real issue. Okay. And you mentioned um, gambling. Uh, yeah, that's definitely um, 
people people think it's funny. My wife and I like to go to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. We're not really gamblers. We mm-hmm. go because you can get a cheap room. You can stay right. in a really nice right. hotel. And, right. You know, it, it's great. But we're not big gamblers. But boy, when you're walking around in the casino, uh, that rush is definitely present among those people sitting at those. Tables. And one one of the signs of an addiction is also that it's impacting your life in a negative yeah. way. That uh, it's not that you're even going to the casino once a week. It's a matter of you're going to the casino and you're spending your rent money, you're spending your mortgage money, you're you're dipping into your life insurance to to gamble. Uh, or if it's shopping, that uh, you're buying things above what you can afford and your credit card bills are mounting up. It's where it's negatively affecting your life. Uh, generally, we wouldn't see a problem with pornography until it becomes a problem that, uh, you know, a, a husband or a wife, if the case may be, you know, is sneaking, is doing it behind uh, behind someone else's back. Is There's usually some guilt associated with it, as it would happen with drugs, alcohol, shopping. Yeah, that's that's kind of the the warning sign for someone, right? If you feel guilty about your behavior, that might be one thing that gives you pause and and maybe should make you think um, maybe I ought to do something about this. Sure, and it's like you know, if someone's exposed to something and they see it's a problem, they need to not do that. I can, for example, go buy a couple scratch-off tickets because if I buy two scratch-off tickets today, it says nothing about what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm just not going to buy more scratch-off tickets. Right. Other people, if they have a gambling issue, they could say, well, what's wrong with my you know, uh, um, buying a scratch-off ticket? If it's a problem, it's a problem. And if it's clicking in your brain and causing uh, disturbances in your brain, then you need not to do it. The same sort of thing with alcoholics. It's not that uh, alcoholics can't. Uh, it's the issue is alcoholics can't drink safely. It doesn't mean that no one should be able to go out and have a couple beers or have a beer with a fish fry. If they can do it and it's not an issue, well, then fine. But for an alcoholic, zero is the only acceptable amount. You said something, and Bernie Arneson, by the way, is is our guest in this segment of the program. He's with the Monsignor Car Clinic at Catholic Charities. We're talking about addictive behavior. You said something that that I just thought I'd uh, maybe want to address just a little bit more. Um, You gave the example of someone who is a heroin addict but isn't interested in other drugs and you use the specific example of cocaine and the anxiousness that comes with it. So – there is still kind of a um, uh, – it's not like the brain shuts off, right? Because they recognize, I don't like – I like this feeling, mm-hmm. but I don't like this anxious feeling right. that I get from right. this. You hear that with, right, people who uh, – some people who drink, but people who smoke pot, uh, it just makes me sleepy. I don't like doing that. Right. But maybe they are into something else. Right, right. You know, when I was a kid, I remember going with friends to like an amusement park and they'd love to go on the roller coasters. For me, that feeling was uncomfortable. It wasn't a matter of, you know, I was wimpy in in some way, but it was uncomfortable. Some people, they're actually having a different experience in their body or in their brain. So for them, it feels good. So we're chemically, we're different. We react to substances. We react to the world differently. And uh, some of these things we can control. When it gets to an addiction, we see that it's no longer controllable. But uh, we're having a different experience. Now, you mentioned also how you know some of those stigmas in in these areas are changing. We recognize more now, um, as a society, as human beings, that 
you know, some of these behaviors, propensities, certain individuals are just kind of unable to control them on their own. So uh, let's talk about what you do at the Monsignor Car Clinic and, you know, what's the process? Someone says, I got to get some help and and they, they give you a call. In fact, this is probably a good opportunity to have you give the phone number for the clinic as well. Sure. Our central <laughs> intake number is uh, 895-1033. We can also be found on the web at ccwny.org. Uh, all of the services of Catholic Charities are listed there. You'll find us on, under behavioral services. There's the mental health, purely mental health component, but there's also the chemical dependency uh, program listed there as well. So, so what's the step when somebody contacts you? Then what happens after that? Somebody comes in. Oftentimes we'll get referrals from the courts or uh, an attorney has suggested that somebody uh, uh, have an assessment. Uh, could be a DWI case. And uh, we have up to four sessions with that person to decide that they need treatment or not. Uh, we take a history and we're looking for, you know, how the drug or alcohol use is affecting their life. Certainly recidivism, that this is a recurring problem with them, is one indicator. It really isn't the amount that the person is drinking. It's what happens when the person drinks or what happens when the person drugs. Normally, if a person has a... Um, surgery or something and they get uh, an opiate-type drug uh, for pain, they take it and the prescription's gone and there's no issue. Uh, for other people, they start taking it and then it runs out of, uh, gets out of control. And we see the people where the drugs or alcohol have gotten out of control. Uh, those that it doesn't, we suggest that uh, they might not need treatment at this time. Um, now, the the other side of it, which you also kind of uh, alluded to um, when you mentioned how you deal with pornography in your mental health services, there is this whole issue of self-medicating, right? That's another thing that people do. And um, that good feeling is to replace maybe some bad feeling that's a result of who knows what. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be depression, just a, you know, any number of issues, right? Sure, sure. And I think people normally do that. You know, they, they get to a Friday night. They're feeling they'd like to relax. They'd like to get a relief from the, from the week. So they go out and they have a fish fry or they meet friends for dinner or a movie. They are in ways sort of self-medicating themselves. But it's within a normal bound, boundary. Uh, when people do it to excess and then it becomes a problem, it's affecting other things in their life, then it becomes an issue. But it certainly is trying to self-medicate. Oftentimes, uh, if we can find the right uh, psychiatric medications with people, uh, they could possibly be relieved of this. Um, one man I know had a chronic problem with depression. When he got onto the right medication, he stopped abusing his uh, – in his case, it was alcohol. Yeah, and, and that's another one of those things that happens, right? Maybe a family member, friends, oh, yeah, just just get over it. Well, sometimes they can't get over it, right? right? Sometimes the medication really is the answer for certain people, right? Sure, sure, absolutely, absolutely. You know, there's something that's called the choice argument. Uh, the choice argument goes, uh, if, I, if you're an alcoholic and I put a shot of whiskey in front of you and I say to you, you could take that shot of whiskey, but I'm going to shoot you in the head if you do, you will choose not to take that shot of whiskey. The uh, argument, however, goes on, yes, but we cannot stop the process that goes in your brain. Despite that threat, you still are inclined to drink that shot of whiskey. A normal person wouldn't do that. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, well, I, I think that's helpful in, in understanding some of the, the nature and roots of addiction, causes of addiction. Once again, um, particularly if somebody has heard something on this show and, and feels maybe they, they need to talk to somebody, maybe they, they want to get help, uh, how do they get in contact with you? Uh, you could call our central intake number, which is 895-1033. If you're not sure if it's an alcohol or drug problem just uh, – uh, versus just a mental health problem. Just uh, be open and candid with the uh, uh, lady that you talk to on the phone, and she'll direct you to the proper unit. We have three children's programs in Niagara County that are just for children, and we have uh, two adult programs in uh, Buffalo. And uh, uh, at one of those locations, we are also co-located with the chemical dependency program. CCWNY.org is also the website uh, and uh, all the information about all the services of Catholic Charities is on there. Bernie Arneson is with the uh, the chemical uh, dependency treatment uh, through their clinical and aging services at the Monsignor Carr Clinic in Catholic Charities. Bernie, thanks again for being back on the program. Thank you. And as always, if you have any questions about the show, you can contact us and you can also hear any of our programs. Just go to the news tab at buffalodiocese.org and look for radio. I'm Greg Prince. We'll be back with you next week. You've been listening to Western New York Catholic Weekly, produced by the Office of Communications for the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo with the help of the Catholic Communication Campaign and this radio station. If you have a comment about this week's program or need more information about anything you hear on Western New York Catholic Weekly, call us at 847-8744 or send us an email to radio at buffalodiocese.org. Our email address again is radio at buffalodiocese.org or call 847-8744. You can visit the Western New York Catholic and the Diocese of Buffalo online at buffalodiocese.org. And be sure to join Greg Prince again next week for Western New York Catholic Weekly.